You are listening to Read It, Roll It, Hole It. He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Welcome, golfers, to the 11th episode of the Read It, Roll It, Hole It podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest. We've got Emily Toy on the podcast. She is uh, one of the best amateur golfers in the game. She won the Ladies British Amateur Championship last year. Um, and she's hoping for another um, uh, another great year when we get back out there. Um, so, uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to Em. Hi, Em. Hello, how are we? Yeah, very well, thanks. And you? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Excellent, thank you for coming on to the uh, to the Read It, Roll It, Hole It podcast. No worries at all. Yeah, should be uh, should be good. So, um, Em, how has uh, the, the COVID uh, sort of last 12 weeks been for you? Yeah, I mean, like everybody, it's been a little bit difficult, but um, you've got to try and make make the most of it. And, you know, I think we had seven or eight weeks with, with no golf courses, but, you know, it's good. It, we've been innovative in the garden and, and got to make the most of the space that we've got at home. And then obviously over the last four weeks, being, being back at the golf course, which has, you know, been really nice. And I'm sure, you know, everyone is, is so pleased to be back and, and enjoying being back on the golf course. Absolutely. That's great. I was... um super impressed with what you did in lockdown can you share with the listeners what uh what you were doing what your practice was like obviously you couldn't go on the golf course but you 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 got your dad to help you build a net and uh yeah talk us through what you were doing on a daily basis yeah so um you know i was i was fortunate that, that my dad could help me build a net in the garden and um during lockdown as well we managed to put in a um, artificial putting green uh, little kind of 15 foot foot putting green in, in the garden which has been you know super helpful um, yeah so with the net kind of thing I, I was trying to make my practice as close to what it would be like and realistic to the golf course so you know I, w- I was trying to be conscious of shot shape and and playing different different holes so for example I played Ross on Y so obviously where you're from Ollie and um, you know, I got the card up and I was hitting drivers. I was then calculating how far, you know, my ball would go. And then I was playing the appropriate approach shot, you know, to the hole based on my knowledge of what my average drive looked like. So based on about 240 yard drive, um, you know, and then I'm playing short game shots around the garden. Um, and then if I achieved them, I gave myself an easier putt on the putting green. And if I didn't, if I wasn't successful with that shot, then, you know, I'd make my putt a little bit more challenging. So, you know, I was able to explore all, all areas of my game based on, on one drill, I suppose. And, you know, it was a very good performance drill and helped me, uh, yeah, through lockdown to uh, make sure that I was, I was practicing effectively and using my time, time well. Yeah, that was awesome. I think, uh, did you not on a couple of rounds that you played actually introduce the wind as well? Yeah, so I was, you know, going onto uh, the golf club's websites and I, w- I was basically using the course planners that I have at home and, and what courses, you know, I've played. And yeah, going onto the golf course website and some of them give you the wind. And if not, you know, you just go on the app and, and you find the golf course and you find, you know, what the wind's like and what direction it is in certain holes. Um, and obviously the effects that that has on your yardages. Um, you know, if, if into wind, you know, I want to play kind of a, a bullet drive, um, you know, and, and just changing up really. And, and, 
trying to learn as well I suppose it's it's a case of um you know having the course planner in front of you and, and being able to shot shape and avoid bunkers and feel like I'm, I'm playing the the correct shots at the correct time and yeah I introduced a bit of wind and introduced slopes and and kind of things like that that the golf courses obviously have and and trying to trying to play play those shots when you when you took that to the course sort of three weeks ago was there anything um that sort of was a bit of a shock to you when you started seeing the ball flight, obviously hitting the ball in the net. As a good golfer, you've got a good understanding of where that ball has gone. But was there, you know, did you look up when you started getting out there, look up and it was like, oh, God, I didn't expect it to do that sort of moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like like all of us, you know, it's eight weeks without seeing a ball flight for, for the majority of people. And um, obviously, yeah, you kind of get a good feeling you know, off the club face as to what shot you're hitting. And, um, you know, I predominantly hit a right to left shot shape and that's my kind of natural, natural go-to shot. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to work on, on being able to straighten that ball flight and even hit fades, I suppose. And, um, you know, try and make my game a little bit more versatile. And, you know, it was nice to obviously get out and, and see that occurring on the course. Of course, it didn't happen like immediately. It takes time and, you know, obviously adjusting to, you know, having to line up and having to concentrate on the basics again, really. And obviously you missed that during lockdown. It's a case of aligning in the net and, and, and things like that. So um, obviously all the external factors that come with being out on the golf course. But um, yeah, for sure was, was great to be back out and, and seeing the ball fly and, and seeing what you hope to see. Lovely. And how's the game been since you've been out there? Happy you know, it's not been it's not been as bad as I thought, you know. I mean, you never know. Obviously, for me, you know, I, I haven't gone, you know, probably a week or two without without playing for the last, you know, five years or so, maybe more. And um, you know, it's certainly a, a long break, but you know, it's it's um you never hundred percent lose it. Like I said to you earlier, it's kind of a case of now getting back and refining the finer things and um obviously with chipping and pitching um I think it, it takes a little bit more time and even putting to a certain extent um you know driving's not been too much of an issue but like I said it's just just refining and, and really tuning in the, the fine motor skills nice okay and you you're at the moment just getting match fit for some tournaments returning at the end of July is that correct yeah so just trying to play as as much competitive golf I suppose as I can at the moment um you know I'm playing against different people I've, I'm lucky that I've got um, a couple of clubs that I can use down here and, and play against different people and um yeah of course like you know you you forget you know walking around 18 holes and 36 holes a day it's um you do need to build that fitness back up and you know it's been obviously great to, to get back out and I'm making a conscious effort to, to try and do a minimum of 72 holes a week and and get back to, to playing competitive golf again. Um, you, you just said uh, your, your head's in a good space. Has, has there been times where your head hasn't been in a good space? And why is that? I mean, yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's golf is, is a tough sport. It's very intense and, um, you know, you, you lose a lot more than you win. And that's just the nature of the sport, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, you go through tough spells where, you know, you might doubt yourself and doubt your abilities. And, um, you know, you've just got to find a way of coming through that. I mean, I, I struggled probably most actually after last year, maybe at the end of last year, I was struggling. You know, I had a, I had a good season. I, uh, you know, I played well. I obviously won basically my maiden event um, as an amateur. And, um, you know, towards the end of that year, you know, you're looking forward to next year and, 
and you know you want to push on um you know and I wasn't sure about you know how I was going to do that and and making sure that you know I don't fall backwards you know I always want to push forward and obviously I'm looking to turn pro within you know the next year or so and um yeah it's finding a way and I was struggling to kind of maybe overcome and and deal with how maybe successful I was last year and and how I could then push forward and and go on and achieve more you know obviously this year but it is what it is so obviously looking forward now to next year so you know I think you know it's important that that people and listeners know that it's it's not all plain sailing you you know you think it's going to be but that's just not how it is and I think if you speak to most people you know they've they've gone through waves of of struggling and and for me I suppose last year was was the end of last year was that and um yeah obviously like I said I started my fitness going in September so that gave me something to really focus on and having a break actually at the right time maybe with, with this lockdown and it's given me time to reflect and maybe appreciate how well I did last year and um which maybe I didn't do and accept that for what it was and, and now learn and, and push forward with my game no that's uh that's really good I think as you said it's a, it's a very busy schedule you have and you didn't really have a week off from was it in July that you that the, the um the British champs was it was the second week second week of June I think it was okay so it's in June so so from June like all, all the way through the winter you were away playing in um, Canada I believe then you're in Australia for a month so you didn't get any time off did you and, and it was just like a, a you know a really busy period for you did you learn anything from that um obviously having this lockdown I've we've spoke a lot and, and it's helped you a lot hasn't it to sort of put things into perspective have you learned anything from from that to to perhaps adapt that next year yeah so obviously I well I won the women's amateur in you know about the second week of June and I didn't really get a break from then until beginning part of September it was very intense you know obviously it was great I was getting a lot of opportunities that I I might not have, have got otherwise and you know it didn't give me a chance to really process that win for what it was it was a case of you know, get your head down and, and make sure I was practicing effectively and I was ready to prepare and, and to play in those events. So um, didn't really get that chance um, until September. I had a few few months off over the winter before I went to, to Australia in the January, which gave me a lot of time. And I think, you know, most importantly for me was maybe to, to stop being as hard on myself as, as what I was, I'm, you know, very tough on your, on myself. And, you know, it's easy to, to talk to people and, and say, don't do it, but it's hard. You know, you, you're always striving to, to become better. And I'm for sure a perfectionist and I like to do things, you know, to as close to perfection as possible, but that, you know, that doesn't always work and, and can become destructive actually. And, you know, it, it took the time and I, I realized that actually what I was doing was not, benefiting my game I, I needed to ease up on myself and actually you know almost give yourself a pat on the back when when you do something well and you know taking this time off and and learning and uh, obviously I've spoken to you Ollie quite a lot and and you know it's you know I, I had goals and aims of what I wanted to do obviously that that's obviously come come to a little bit of a, a standstill but um yeah it's appreciating when you do well and, and make sure that I'm not hard on myself and um I think a lot of that does come down to how I practice and I need to be a little bit, maybe less time spent, but be more effective at, at what I'm doing. And um, yeah, psychologically, I'm hoping that that when I come back, I'm going to be in a lot better place for this break. 
Yeah, 100%. I, I can tell straight away you're in a better place just by talking to you, you know, on a weekly basis. Definitely you are. It was interesting because you actually started to, to, you did a degree in psychology and you started to, to go back through some old papers, didn't you, to sort of try and implement some of the things you worked on in, in uni to, to your own game. Yeah, so I mean, my, my actual degree was in sports science, but I my uh, third year and my dissertation was all based on psychology. And I'm probably not renowned for my psychology, I say probably, but I'm definitely not. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I went back and I looked through some some papers. I did my dissertation on, on imagery. And um, yeah, it was interesting to go back and, you know, you're reading through these things. And I think, God, I don't actually do that. I know I got, I know I should do it. And I know the good players do it, but maybe I'm not doing it to, to the best of my ability and um, to go through that and have a look and, and to kind of, I think, I think for me, most importantly now is the routine and, and putting that into place um, and making it better, making it more efficient, more effective um, and really yet yeah, integrating the likes of imagery into that and, and making sure that I'm making a conscious effort to, to do that. It's easy to say, yeah, I, I saw that shot and, you know, I saw it going like this and, and stuff, but are you actually visualizing it? Are you seeing it? Uh, and making a more conscious effort to do that, you know, and, um, you know, throughout the three years that I was at Exeter, I, I did strength and conditioning. I, I did nutrition and it's all these little things that come together and, you know, put together the, the package of what I should be doing. And obviously, yeah, then I started, you know, making, making an effort to really improve, you know, my fitness and, and nutrition and, um, you know, and obviously all these little things together really add up and make a, a big impact on your game. Brilliant. No, that's great. Thank you. And may I ask, right, you, you, you are sort of one of the most dedicated golfers that I've worked with. Um, you, you work extremely hard and, and, you know, just a wonderful human being. Um, and, and I, I always get so impressed when I spend time with you, impressed with the, all those things and, and your attitude. Who taught you that? Where did that come from? Wow, I have no idea, to be fair. Um, I would, I don't know. I mean, obviously university and I got a lot of confidence from obviously going away and being independent and not just relying on people, but being able to go out and, you know, I've got a practice day and I'm on my own for, for eight hours a day. How, how do I fill that time? And I'm, you know, I end up, I taking responsibility over my own game and, I don't know. I've played all sports, you know, from, from a young age and obviously, you know, coaches and stuff instill that, that kind of attitude and, and passion for, for a sport, whatever that might be, and kind of taken it from there. But, um, you know, I found that there's a lot more I can do off the golf course in this lockdown that maybe, you know, it, well, it's def I feel like it's helped me. And, um, you know, I look forward to continuing that kind of side side of it. And I realized that, you know, Obviously, you know, you've got to do your maintenance stuff and you, you've got to do your practice on the course, but there's a lot more stuff you can do off the course that I realised. And I feel like that's really installed, you know, a lot of confidence in me and I'm, I'm in a better place, like you say. And, um, you know, psychologically, that, that's great for me. And I, I feel like I've got a pretty good and dedicated attitude. But at the same time, you and me, we both know that I get very down on myself and very, you know, I'm very hard on myself. But, um, you know, I've actually got a lot of confidence that when I go back and I start playing competitive golf, that I'm going to be a lot better for this period of time off. And I think I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about my golf game. And, uh, and hopefully I can, um, you know, put that into practice and become an obviously an overall better golfer for it. 
Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Going a little bit deeper than perhaps you didn't, uh, I don't know, you weren't expecting me to. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't gone through any questions, so I didn't let you uh, prepare for any of this. Um, can, can we just sort of touch on the, the disappointment this year? Obviously, the, the, there's more important things in the world with, with COVID and what's going on and, and, and you know, the, the, the sorry state of the world, perhaps. But um, obviously, the Curtis Cup was something that you potentially were looking forward to um, being a, a, a squad member that was due to be played uh, last m- Oh, this month, I suppose it could be. Yeah, like I think it's week. right now, actually. Today yeah, this week, yeah. Day. Um, so, so yeah, that was something you almost had a year to prepare for, and it was a big part of you know your life for eleven months, and then obviously for it to get cancelled. Uh, how how did you deal with that disappointment? Yeah, um, you know it's a difficult one. You know, you asked me the year before when I was in Australia in the January, you know, whether or not I thought I had an opportunity or, or thought I could make that team, and I probably would have said you know, absolutely not. And, um, you know, I had a good start to the year and I obviously won the women's arm, which, which gave me, you know, opened up a lot of opportunities to then make that team. Um, you know, I, I've been able to play for, for Great Britain and Ireland a couple of times or towards the end of, of last year. And, um, yeah, I was obviously, you know, setting my sights on, on playing that. And like you say, it should have been this week and, and maybe going, you know, into next week. And, um, you know, obviously for me, it would have been a great way to finish off off my amateur career this year and, and potentially looking at turning pro at the end of this year if things had gone to plan and um you know it was a t- it's a tough one to take I'm glad that the team itself wasn't announced and then you find out that it's obviously cancelled you know it was still a squad and this was still a selection process to to go through and make that team um I felt like I put myself in a very good position to do that and you know it, it is unfortunate and obviously all of us girls that were in the squad you know, we're all in the same boat with, we've not been able to play that event. And, um, you know, it really is a shame. And I, I was living and breathing, trying to make my, my or get myself in that team. Um, you know, it, it was a tough one. I put a lot of pressure on myself to try and make that team because I, you know, I'd given myself that opportunity by, by winning one of, one of the biggest amateur events. And, um, you know, obviously it's disappointing for sure. Um, I think I've learned actually that, you know, I need to, to reduce my focuses on that. And if, if that's going to be the case next year and making the team, then that's going to be it. But I need to, to make sure that I'm focused on each event, you know, weekly, monthly. I need to concentrate on them as individuals, give my heart and soul into to doing well in them. And then, you know, if I'm performing well enough in those, you know, I'm going to make the team at the end of the year. But, you know, I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and, um, you know, it can, obviously I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to have a positive effect. So, you know, I, I think I've learned from having this as almost a practice experience of, of getting nearer selection and stuff. And I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot and um, obviously going into next year, I can, I can try and concentrate on each individual event and not put too much pressure on making that squad. It's easier said than done for sure, because it is something that, you know, I really do want to do before I turn pro, but at the end of the day, it's going to be what it's going to be. And um, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to be able to, to deal with that and move forward. So obviously looking forward to hopefully it being played next year and still setting my, my sights on, on getting in that team. Yeah, wonderful attitude. And yeah, you know, you've got some resilience in there M, from somewhere, which is, uh, which is really sort of helping you out. So that, that's good. Were, were there any tears when, you, uh, when it was cancelled? 
Oh God, no, no. I didn't think too much. No, I didn't really think too much of it like that. Like I said, I wasn't in the team. I hadn't got chosen for the team. It would have been a different story if I'd been selected for the team and then it had been cancelled. But as far as I was aware, I I hadn't made the team. I was in the squad of 11 or 11 or 12 and, and obviously eight, eight go to the event. And so in my head, I hadn't, hadn't made the team, which I hadn't, that that's fact. I hadn't made the team and yeah. you know, it might've been different. Haven't I made it? And then it being cancelled and then I've got to start all over again and, and try and push to make the team in another year's time. But, but like I said, yeah, obviously I, I was still in the squad. So um, yeah, no, it, you know, it, it, we're all, all of us were in the same boat and obviously it's, it's a great disappointment, but um, yeah, I, I've got a new aim for next year, and obviously with the COVID now, it's it's hard to to obviously make the goals for this year. But but obviously, I'm I'm looking forward to next year and and setting goals on, on making that team. Perfect. No, that's good. That's good. Okay, um, so as this is a putting podcast, we're gonna get um we're gonna get in some putting stuff. So, um, can you talk us through your uh, process when you get on the green or when you approach the green? Obviously, you mentioned a little bit of it earlier about reading the pattern and the visualization, but can you go into perhaps a little bit more detail on what's going through your mind, what you're saying to yourself? Like, you know, how do you how do you sort of get yourself calm over the ball and how does that work? Yeah, I think for sure, like technique wise, you've got to leave that on the practice area. You know, all your work is is done in the weeks leading up to the event. You know, you can't you can't be over the puck concerning yourself about what your stroke looks like. You know, it's a case of, you know, each individual putt as it is, but you've got to leave the technique side behind. And um, yeah, like I said, I like to read it from behind the ball and then walk down the low side and, and kind of have a look at the slope, just, just get an, an idea of, you know, the basics really, is it left to right, right to left, um, you know, and I'm walking behind the hole at that point And, um, you know, I, lo- I like to visualize the ball, going over the edge of the cup, entering the hole and working back to the original point of where the, the ball is and where I'm going to be putting from. Um, you know, I'm looking at, at what the breaking point is. So, you know, the highest point of, of the arc and, you know, I'm trying to judge at, at what point that is then going to then take that slope and bring it to the hole. Obviously, you know, the entrance point to the hole can give you a good determinant of that. So not every ball is going to go straight in the front door. Um, you've got to establish that by the severity of the slope, really. You know, and then walk back and I'm looking from behind, behind the ball. You know, you're crouching down, you're getting a good idea of the gradient and the slope of the green. Um, and depending on, on the length of the putt, I like to put, um, we call them, I like to call them minstrels. You know them, Ollie. Um, Delicious. And I, I like, yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on the length of the putt, you know, I like to put little markers out. Obviously, this is all in my mind. Um, you know, you put little markers. So it's a 10-week. 10 foot putt and I'm putting out two little markers in my head of of where the ball is going to be traveling at what point on the putt um and as Ollie likes to put a little noise to it I'm not keen on on the noise but we put a little boing to it don't we Ollie I don't know what your noise is but um yeah and obviously the longer the putt the, the more like minstrels I put out on an imaginary path and it just gives me an idea of, of the visuals for that putt when I'm standing over it and at what points I want it to be going over a certain mark on the green. And it gives me a, a good idea of then feedback as to whether or not I've actually, you know, started the ball online or if I've, you know, pushed it or pulled it or, or what's, you know, if I've hold it great, you know, if I've read it well, if I've got the pace right, I've matched the mark. Or if I miss it, you know, why have I missed it? Is it, is it a green reading? Is it a pace? You know, and it, it gives me great feedback as to, 
to maybe why the putt hasn't gone in and you know not always missing a putt is a negative because you can pick out a lot of a lot of information from a missed putt and um, you know and get a lot of feedback you know if you miss a putt on the first you've got 17 holes that you can use that information for to to really Im- improve that putting so I suppose that's my my basic processes uh, of how I go about reading and and uh, yeah establishing my, my processes leading into to the putt. There's two wonderful nuggets there that I've took away that that one is that um, you learn from your mistakes. So, you know, you, you do everything you, you're in control of in your, in your process. You hit the putt, that, but then part of your process is learning from your mistakes. So if it doesn't go in the hole, is it, was it line? Was it speed? Was it read? Um, that, that, that for me is, is gold there. It's a great nugget for the listeners to take away. Uh, and the other one was before that, you said um, leave the technique on the or the thoughts of technique on the practice area. So important. We, we, when we go and play golf on the golf course, we can't be thinking of technique. We've got to be thinking about what you were saying, you know, read line and speed, the three skills of putting and evaluating it. So yeah, good. Very good. Very good process. I'm very happy. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about your technique and what sort of you've worked on with myself and Mike Kansky um, over the last sort of couple of years? Yeah. yeah 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 no problems I mean I think first of all like you know when I say park your technique I'm I'm very conscious of my technique and I have been you know apart from the last you know maybe 18 months you know I've been I've been one of those people that is very you know judgmental of my own technique and and I realized that taking that to the golf course is really not going to help and and you know ultimately the aim is to get the ball in the hole in as least amount of shots that you can and, and you have got to park that um you know, so ba- the basics of what I kind of work on, we, me and Ollie have worked a lot on, on posture, um, you know, which has been, been very helpful. I tend to walk in and I'm, I'm quite tall and, uh, you know, we've been working in, on working, walking into a putt in the posture that I'm, I want to be in when I'm making that stroke and that's helped me, me a lot. Um, you know, another tendency is, is I have my hands quite low. I don't know exactly how to, to explain, but my wrist angle you know, makes, makes the putter seem like it's sitting on the heel and then the toe is in the air. Um, so, you know, if walking, by combining the two in posture and having my, my arms hanging, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my hands a little bit taller, which is in, in theory creating a better wrist angle. Um, and then it makes it like my, my thigh, I suppose, and my, and my arm is in a parallel line, which is, you know, it, it's a good start. I think a lot of putting comes you know, from setup. And I feel like if I can, if I can get my setup good, then, you know, I'm going to put a good stroke on the ball. Um, you know, I've struggled with, with kind of coming in and I come slightly inside on the way back. And then I tend to lose my wrist angle. Um, and then, yeah, push it out to the right, which, you know, can, can cause a little, a little bit of inconsistency in putting. So, you know, by combining those two things, I've been able to, to work, you know, quite nicely and, and get a nice, nice um, putting path going, which is, which has been helpful. And at the moment I'm kind of working on my balance. Um, so this comes from, from walking into posture as well. And I tend to, to start with, with the weight on my, on my toes, which is fine. Like balls of balls of my feet, which is fantastic. Lovely. But as I, as I swing back, I, I tend to rock back onto my heels and that's where, you know, we again inconsistencies in strike, inconsistencies in delivering the putter back to, to neutral impact and 
um, you know, but by making sure that I'm, I'm clear and I'm walking in in a good posture, I'm maintaining my weight distribution during the stroke, you know, that that's going to really help me. And, um, you know, I'm still, I'm currently working on that. Actually, that's probably my main, main focus at the moment is to make sure that, you know, my weight stays in the balls of my feet. And as I swing back and, and make my backstroke, it's staying where I have it at set up and, um, you know, preventing me from, from rocking, rocking back onto my heels and, um you know at the moment seem to be doing it fairly well you know at home and on the practice green but as I take it to the course you know there's there's still a little bit of movement going on there so you know consciously making sure that I'm every practice swing that I do every putt that I do I'm making sure that I um actually take time over it and, and put a good process to it you know I don't walk up to it and putt it you know I, I take my time and I make sure that you know I go into every part with 100% effort and concentration on it Brilliant. And what's that drill you do at home, Em, to uh, to share with the listeners to help them with their balance? Yeah, so um, I've been rolling up a towel, um, you know, just a bath towel, rolling it up in, into kind of like a, a sausage, I suppose. And then I put I put it underneath my heels, so I have my heels off the ground. Or you can do it under the balls of your feet, so your toes and your heels are off the ground. Um, and then I'm making practice strokes like that. So, you know, I, I start and I just... I don't have a putter I just swing with my arms and I'm trying to get the feeling of of keeping that weight in the heel or it's sorry in the in the balls of my feet and um then I introduce the putter and I you know I work it up like that and um I think actually what's good is um I don't know what you call them a woggle maybe one of them uh that's it like yeah float for for in the swimming pool they're they're good because they're solid um and they're a little bit bigger, so it really helped to, to keep the weight in the correct place. And um, obviously, yeah, you can't take that on the course. But, you know, the more I work on that at home, and I've been obviously able to do that in lockdown, which has been great. And, um, you know, you can you can do a, a variety of it, I suppose, or a variation on the practice putting area with it off the green and then the ball on the green. Um, yeah, and then obviously trying to work that in and build it into to what I'm doing on the course, which, you know, it doesn't come it doesn't come straight away. It's going to take time and um, obviously it's getting better, which is good. And, and I'm hoping that that can carry on improving and I can, I can be able to take that to the golf course consistently. Wonderful. Yeah. It's a great drill. Okay. Uh, um, tell us about your uh, preparation for a tournament. So let's say you're going to play a tournament next week um, or not next week, but let's say end of July and you've never played the course before. Um, you know, what what does that practice round look like? What are you looking for? What do you mark down on your course planner? And what prep do you do on the greens as well? Yeah, so um, I'm quite lucky now that I've played quite a lot of amateur stuff. So I end up do playing on the same courses. But, you know, we do still get courses that we've never played. And, um, you know, it, it, oh, practice rounds are seriously important, actually. I, I've probably not done them to the best of my abilities over you know a series of years but you know over the last couple I've made a very conscious effort to make the most of them because you know that time that you spend on the golf course is invaluable and and you need to be making the most of it so you know off tees you know it's important to to know where the trouble is I know it sounds negative but you need to know what you're avoiding you know if if there's bunkers you know down the fairway at 250 and they're you know quite narrow together then why not land it back at, and, and finish the ball at 230 and, and take those out of play so you know it's again you need to know your own game you need to be you know need to know your yardages and um you know you need to be aware of, of what shots and stuff you've got the ability to hit and you know making the most of it in that respect as to you've got to use 
use your own game to your ability and um you know for me i i probably was quite aggressive and i've become become less aggressive more conscious of of trying to avoid bogeys i suppose i'm not i'm making a few too many mistakes at the moment but um yeah obviously we want to eliminate those bogeys if we can and um by taking trouble out of play you're going to eliminate those big numbers hopefully um which is which is key to, to scoring well um you know i've obviously been involved with an england program now for a couple of years we've done a lot on shot recording so you know, in practice rounds, some events you get one, some events you get two. Um, you need to to be writing down, you know, what clubs you're hitting, where the wind direction is, where it's landed, where it's finished. And the more information you can get on that practice day, you know, the more information you're going to go into that first day of competition with. It's very important to, you know, by the end of that round, you've got, you know, four competition rounds, one practice round, you've got five rounds of golf with shot recording for every every approach shot and every drive that you've hit on that on that golf course then you go there the following year before you've even started you've got you know a lot of information which is you know gonna gonna really help and around the greens you know you've got to look at where's good misses um we've been looking at miss maps so where can you miss that's going to allow you access to every pin on that green obviously you know in some events you get the pin positions before before you tee off which obviously gives you a good idea as to you know where the miss is obviously usually it's it's opposite so wherever the flag is you want to be on the opposite side you know sometimes bunkers aren't always that bad I think as as amateurs you know you, you sometimes think oh god I don't want to go in a bunker but you know actually sometimes they can be better than than thicker rough so um you know I'm always looking at that you know myself and Ollie when I played in British Open this year um you know we went around and we looked for you know, the aim point flat putts, you know, which is, you know, the, the putts that are, are straight or minimal break, um, you know, and again, it's so important to, to make sure that you're putting your ball in a good position on the green. I mean, you can't always do it that, you know, that that's the nature of it. But, you know, it if you can put the ball in the right position, you know, you have a 20 footer that's fairly straight, you've got a lot more chance than than maybe a 20 footer that, that's on a 4% aim point, aim point slope really. So, you know, it, it's been conscious of the courses and, you know, practice going into it at home as well. You know, you know, if you're playing in a links, you need to, to lower that trajectory of your ball and you might need to play a few different shots and, and chip and runs. And, you know, you have to be, you know, conscious of, of what the course demands are and they can be different for each golf course. And it's important to put that preparation in not just at the golf course when you attend, you know, you get there for your practice round, but but the week leading into that event as well. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's great. Let's 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 talk about um, when you're playing in big events. So obviously last year you were very fortunate to, to get invites, as you mentioned, to the British Open, and you played in the Evian Championship as well. And I think you've got um, obviously some some big ones to look forward to as well. Is the Masters going ahead in November for you, ladies, or not? Uh, no, so for for myself playing in in the women's arm, it is just going to be uh, next year now, basically. So okay. uh, April next year. So April next year, you're playing the ladies, yeah, women's arm at Augusta National. That's yeah. exciting, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's uh, going to be cool. Cool, and you've got is the US Open to play as well? Yeah, so I think US Women's Open is looking at December at the moment. Um, okay. So this year, yeah. Cool. Okay. So, so like leading up to a big event or, well, you know, when you get to a big event, I think you played a practice round with Georgia Holden, you in one of them, like that must be quite scary um, for the first time. H- how do you um, calm yourself down? Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. I think I, 
my preparation for uh, the British Open was, you know, it was pretty serious stuff, actually. It was the most I've concentrated and, and the more hours that I've put in than than ever before and and, you know I don't know whether or not that was good or bad but it's all good experience that's for sure and you know I rocked up there I think the Sunday night so I had a a full practice round on the Monday I got nine holes in with Georgia Hall which was nice um you know she's a southwest girl like me and um you know she was defending champion that year for for British Open and you know it was great to to pick her brains and, and get some information off her and and see how she plays really and um you know, what a, a great experience, you know, to, to learn from her. And, um, yeah, you just, you just got to use these opportunities and, and you don't want to really get nervous. You want to just enjoy it and embrace it and try and learn from it. And, and that's what I tried to try to do. And, and we had discussions about certain things and, you know, she was very helpful for, to me and Alice, who was, you know, Alice, uh, went on to win on the LET. She won the last event. So, um, you know, it was it was great to, to learn from her. I, the next day, I had a, a, less, a lesson. I would say it was a lesson, but it was a schooling from uh, Paula Crema, so multiple Solan Cup player, US Open winner, and um, yeah, again, similar. You just got to learn from from them and, and see how they play. And uh, you know, it, it's always fascinating to always pick up a few things on, on how different people. And it's not all the same. It's all you know different, but um you know learn from that and, and try and embrace the environment that you're in I think going into Thursday you know by the time you know I've been there since Monday now I was getting familiar with kind of everyone and obviously you know you, you bump into certain people on the putting green that you know you've watched on telly for years and um you know on the tee on Thursday I was actually fine it was um yeah not too much of an issue at all the issue more was the approach shot that was um yeah, I found I was more nervous over that approach shot than I was off the tee. I was quite content that the ball was was pegged high enough and the face was large enough on the driver that we wasn't <laughs> going to have too much of an issue. I know it it is a bit funny, but you know it's um, the drivers are a safe. Well, I say it's a safety club, but it, I felt I felt more comfortable having that in my hand than I, than I did the eight iron approach shot. But mm. you know, you you really do become accustomed to to doing it, and you know, by the time you're on the second or third hole, you know, you it's just another eighteen holes and uh, yes, you might be playing with, you know, a major winner or, like I say, someone that you, you've watched on telly for years and idolised. But, you know, it was so nice to, to obviously have people there as well. Obviously, Ollie came up, um, which was nice. I had Harry from university and uh, Robbo, the uh, national coach. So, you know, I had people around me all week that, um, you know, were, were very helpful and, and made my experience a lot nicer and, and made the British Open what it's all about. And, yeah, um, you know, great experience and I loved every second of it. And mum and dad were there as well all week, right? Yeah, mum and dad were there. Um, first day, didn't have a real caddy, did I? So my dad decided he was going to carry the bag, which was interesting stuff because he carried it back to front, which uh, we have a laugh about now. But <laughs> uh, walking to the first tee with the bag on backwards was was not great. But um, yeah, both of them are super supportive and it was it was nice to have both of them there, which was, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? So Absolutely. Like, I, we haven't mentioned your mum and dad too much here, but, you know, they they, uh, they play, a, play a massive role in, in your career, don't they? And, and allowing you the opportunities you get. For sure, yeah. Both of them have been super supportive from the start. And obviously, it's great to have mum caddying when I won the women's arm, you know, last year. And, and dad was there and he was up bull spotting. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I do, you know, without them. And even daily, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing full-time golf. I wouldn't be able to, 
you know, to live and survive without without their sport. So, um, you know, it's massive and it makes it all worthwhile, you know, when, you, you know, you can win like the women's am and have both of them there and, and go on to play British Open. And, and they both came and, you know, embraced the, the experience and the opportunity just as much as I did. And, you know, it was a, a great family affair, I suppose. And even not just, you know, family but you know the bigger picture of family as a whole and you know having all the all the members of, of well, a lot of members of of my home golf course Carline Bay came up and county people and like I said yourself and and university and and you know it was you know super cool to to have everyone there yeah it was lovely it was nice it was nice and what because your dad had a bear didn't he that uh, picked like a bear or so, tell us a story about that because he was taking getting everyone to take a picture with the bear yeah he is um nuts i think um <laughs> yeah so um yeah i got a little cornish bear i think i had it from maybe the first year i played county golf county ladies golf and um it's got the little cornish uh, t-shirt on and, and a cornish flag on its foot and uh, I went to Abu Dhabi and he took it there and he took pictures of it and I don't know it kind of travels with me although I don't usually know it's it's there um yeah and he likes to take pictures of it in places on certain golf courses and um you know it came to Australia with me um you know a couple of years ago when I went and yeah it kind of travels the world with me I suppose but it was nothing I started he just enjoyed you know taking pictures of it and other people taking pictures holding it and yeah, it's um, it's a bizarre one, but I suppose it would be kind of cool to look back on and see how far it's travelled and it follows my journey, I suppose. I love it. I love it. The toy, ma- the toy mascot. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, uh, well, obviously, saying thank you to mum and dad there, but obviously England Golf, you mentioned you've been part of the, their uh, setup for a f- like many years now and uh, I guess you couldn't do a lot of what you do without them as well. No, definitely. So um, I got in the, the, the women's squad this, the season before I, um, so the, the September of 2018. So, you know, I've been in the squad for about a year before I, I won the, the championship last year. And, um, you know, I, I felt very grateful that I was able to get in that squad. And, um, you know, I, I'd been in university for three years before that at Exeter and, you know, didn't play the, the schedule that, you know, I would have liked to, you know, it was a, I had to make it a lot smaller and, you know, I felt very grateful and privileged that I was able to even get in the squad the year I did because, you know, I didn't play as much as other people because I, you know, had commitments with my studies and, you know, I think they took a chance on me. Um, you know, I put the, the time and the effort in because, you know, I appreciated the opportunity and, you know, three months later, I got to go to Australia for a month and, you know, try to take that opportunity and make the most of that. And then, you know, from there on, I've, been given you know tons of opportunities and then obviously you know I was able to to pay back some of that by by winning the the women's am last year and um you know from there on you know I've been just given tons and tons of opportunities and you know over this lockdown it's been a godsend you know I've been able to communicate with the physio and and the nutritionist and you know S&C coaches psychologists long game coach putting coach like you know, it's, it's really made the most out of this opportunity, I think. And, you know, exactly. I, I couldn't have done what, what I'd done without them. And, you know, I'm very grateful for them giving me that opportunity initially. And, and then obviously me being able to, to take that opportunity and kind of run with it is, um, yeah, it's pleasing. Brilliant. No, that's good. They're, they're, you know, it's a wonderful team you've got around yourself. So that's great. Um, just, just going back to uh, Georgia and um, Paula, what was the one biggest learning experience from those two that you took? 
Yeah, so Georgia, I, I played the practice round at British Open, but the, the week before we were at Evian and, um, you know, she, yeah, she's a lovely girl and she came over to me and obviously said, you know, well done for winning uh, the, the women's arm and, and she had won it six years before and, and she just said, look, you've got to make the most of this opportunity, you know, you've got to enjoy it for what it is and, um, you know, I, I took that on the chin and I, I listened to that because, you know, I, I respect her and, and what she's done in the game and, um, you know, I found it was important that, not only did I try and compete and play well and go through my processes and, and do everything right, but I really did take the time to to enjoy those opportunities and experiences as well. You know, it's so hard, you know, you get intense and you're, you know, you're, you're playing in front of people and you're trying to keep your head down and, and play well, but it's also very important to, to enjoy it for what it is, you know. You don't know. It could be it could be my last British Open for all I know, you know. Obviously, I hope it's not and I hope I can play in many more, but, you know, it's important to to enjoy that opportunity and, um, I felt like it was a prize. My win was winning the women's arm. The prize was getting in to, to the British Open after that. And I, I felt like I, I needed to have fun and enjoy it. And, um, you know, for, hearing that from her just, just cemented it that that's what my focus was. Um, Paula Prima um, didn't speak. She didn't speak too much. She was very focused on her individual game, um, which was fine. But, you know, just, just watching her and, you know, how she goes about, you know, selecting clubs. Obviously, you know, they're used to not playing with Bushnells, you know, and, and hearing her talk to her caddy and um, work out numbers, you know, it's not just, okay, it's, it's this number, it's what's the wind doing, you know, what's the slope and, and how they go about, you know, calculating and coming up with, with a number is, you know, it's interesting and, and fascinating for, for me using, you know, obviously coming from using a Bushnell to, you know, actually learn and calculate and, and also, obviously, they've played in these tournaments before and it's just looking at where they're looking for where the flags are going to be potentially for the next few days and, and looking at where is the appropriate chips to be practising and, um, you know, they have a good idea as to, to where the pins are going to be and, and to learn from that and make sure that my, my practice before I go to compete is appropriate to, to where the flags are going to be. Brilliant. No, that's uh, that's great. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, and I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, no problem at all. Enjoyed doing it. Thank um, you. Yeah, no problem at all. Great stuff. Thank you, Em. I look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, yeah, read it, roll it, hold it, everybody.